Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. All right. I don't know what it is about these beginning-of-the-week episodes, but holy moly, is there a ton to get to here. Uh, I'm going to start off very quickly with some gossip. This is kind of neat. Don't know what's going to happen. Don't know what's going to come of it, but we'll see. Apparently, Donald Trump's plane... Well, it's not apparent. It's real. Donald Trump's plane is in Washington, D.C. A bunch of people are speculating as to what that means, that some major announcement is going to come on Monday. Time will tell. We'll see. Uh, don't know about any of that, but just wanted to make mention of that. Um, let me see here. Again, there's just <laughs> there's so much going on. I, I, uh, I've got my show notes. They're a mile long. I got it relatively organized. Um, let me mention this too. You may recall, this is just some geopolitical stuff here at the beginning, and then again, I've got education and jab-related things, as you might expect. A few local things as well, and, and certainly things to pay attention to. Uh, not to mention, I've got some, again, more evidence that uh, local politicians have no idea what they're doing when it comes to 5G. They're just they're out to lunch on the whole issue, and it really is driving me up the wall. And uh, it's a bit frightening as to what the county where I live has planned regarding five G. But either way, let me mention a couple of things here geopolitically. Um, there was this, which is on the resurgence uh, Substack, and it is titled "The Craven Surrender of Jenna Ellis, Trump Election Lawyer Chooses Self Over MAGA." You may remember Jenna Ellis. She was one of Trump's lawyers, um, was going after the voter fraud in 2020, and rightfully so. You know, I, I, I don't know what came of all of that, ultimately. I don't know what documents they have and, and all of the evidence that they ended up coming up with. I'm sure they have plenty. But as you would expect, given the fact that she is a lawyer, she holds a legal license. And they apparently came after her legal license, and then she essentially admitted that there were that she made false statements regarding election fraud in 2020. So, long story short, in order to keep her legal license, she bent the knee and kissed the ring, all just to again keep her legal license. It says this uh, a number of paragraphs down into the article. It says this week Ellis caved. As part of a settlement agreement with the disciplinary authorities who control her law license in Colorado, she admitted to spreading misrepresentations, quote-unquote, to the public by repeating claims that Trump had been cheated in the 2020 election. In exchange, Ellis was merely censured for professional misconduct. Her life as a lawyer continues, albeit with a significant professional stain that undermines her future work and places an asterisk next to every future public statement she makes. She should have stuck with her guns. Honesty is the best policy. If you lose your license, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I understand that uh, some of these people bend the knee and kiss the ring so that they can continue to keep their license and continue to make a living and doing whatever it is that they're doing, maybe fight in another way, you know, pick another battle, I suppose, but I don't know. Is it? It's. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I haven't been in that particular position. I have, of course, with education certificates and licenses, and I said to hell with all of it, and I left. You know, 
basically just told the states you can burn them if you want. I don't care. But uh, I don't know. It's disappointing. I think it's disappointing. I wish she would have stuck with her guns, but she didn't. Okay. Speaking of sticking with guns, this is kind of the last geopolitical thing that I wanted to mention here at the top, although as you might expect, it all sort of melds together. This is a particular issue that I haven't spent any time on, and it's an issue that I know that listeners of this show have personally engaged in, along with a friend of mine who is, uh, I believe, going through the process, Kim Carter. You've heard me mention her name before, and I'll mention her again toward the end of, of the episode during the jab section because there's some stuff going on at the hospital where she works at. But um, this has to do with sovereign citizens here in the United States and sovereign citizenship and what all of that means. I highly recommend learning about that if you if you haven't already i of course am no expert on the issue i'll never claim to be but i do understand the gist of it for the most part in fact eric dubay has a a rather lengthy video uh from a number of years back describing that entire process and of course what all of the certificates and birth certificate and marriage certificate and all those other certificates rather actually mean and how it, again, it is government control over the actual human and your, you know, your fingerprints and all of that stuff. If a person, I believe, again, I believe that if they go through these sovereign citizenship steps, what you're doing is, is you're essentially forfeiting your birth certificate and you are an independent completely. You are separated from government. Therefore, all of the laws or regulations that are associated with government, and in particular, for example, driver's licenses, rules and laws of the road, having registration for your automobile, things of that nature, all those secondary uh, attachments, I guess, that, that an individual would have to have normally if they weren't a sovereign citizen, like, like us for the most part, certainly like me. I have a registration, you know, a birth certificate, social security card, driver's license, all of that. Um, it's evident that there are plenty of citizens in the United States who go through this process and get this done. The sad part is that there are police officers who do not know about this process. And there are police officers who do know about this process, but there's also a number of things that take place with the actual sovereign citizen themselves, where they aren't communicating correctly with police officers, not knowing that the police officers may or may not know what's actually going on in the situation. I know that sounds a little confusing, but let me bring up this specific story because I, I watched this breakdown and it was it was fascinating. Um, this is from the Gateway Pundit earlier in the week, or actually here at the end of the week, uh, the end of last week. But it says newly released body cam footage shows moment before a white 25-year-old was fatally shot by five Salt Lake City police officers during a traffic stop. And there's a video of this. First of all, the individual's name, uh, let me get this here real quick, Chase Allen. So in the video, 
which again, you can, I'm sure, find it on YouTube. And uh, yeah, it is on YouTube. The Farmington Police Department. Uh, here's what happens in the stop. And it's pretty evident that Chase Allen is a sovereign citizen, that he has gone through the process, possesses the paperwork, and all of that. Um, it's also evident that the that the police response in the video was excessive force, to say the least. And uh, and it's it's very disappointing. Again, he was shot dead by these cops. So here's what happens in the video, and I'll do my best to describe it. Because again, the sovereign citizenship question isn't even asked by any media personnel, nor is it brought up by uh, the police chief who is providing the follow-up press release, press reports to the press and to local journalists regarding this issue and, and what transpired and what took place. Again, the entire thing is caught on body cam footage from the police officers. Uh, so, so here's basically what, what occurred. He's driving a blue 3 Series BMW. The windows are tinted. None of that's against the law. Uh, he's buckled in, and he makes he uh, the police officer who's who's following him doesn't recognize his license plate. Now the license plate that's on the back of his automobile, there is one, but it's not your standard license plate the way that you recognize a license plate to be. It's a it's a placard. Again, it's a plate, but it's a sovereign citizen plate. It's what a person would have on their vehicle if they were a sovereign citizen. So on the right-hand side of the plate is the eagle with the, uh, the American flag crest in the center, basically the one that we all recognize for the most part, like the one that's on the carpet of the Oval Office kind of thing. And then on the left side of the, of the plate uh, are some red bars. Point being, this is exactly the kind of plate that a sovereign citizen would have on the back of their automobile because they don't have to have a registration and they don't have to provide proof that they have a registration because they don't have one because they are a sovereign citizen. Now, what's interesting is, is sovereign citizens are supposed to carry this paperwork with them in their automobiles for moments like this. Again, if a police officer pulls you over because they don't know about sovereign citizenship, which it's evident that these cops have no flipping clue, um, you provide that paperwork to the police officer. And again, I know that people would say, well, no, you don't have to provide that because you're a sovereign citizen. Therefore, the laws don't apply to you in XYZ. What Chase Allen could have done in this situation, and he'd still be alive, is he could have explained the process to the police officer if he is in fact a sovereign citizen and has the paperwork to prove it he could explain that to the police officer and say this is my automobile i'm a sovereign citizen it's evident that you don't know what that is so let me explain it along with giving him copies of the paperwork that he has that proves that he's a sovereign citizen he he even, by the way, doesn't have a driver's license. He has his passport. So the police officer asks him for his pass or asks him for his driver's license and registration, and he says, I don't have to provide you that and whatever else. He he's he's giving the police officer the wrong answers because 
he doesn't understand it from the perspective of the police officer. The police officer doesn't know what he's doing because he doesn't understand the situation of him having pulled over a sovereign citizen. This guy could think that the car is stolen. The police officer could think this. He could think a thousand different things. So in the exchange, you see Chase Allen roll down the window a little bit, and he's talking with a cop, but he's also saying the things that, again, a lot of lawyers tell you to tell cops when they pull you over, which is, I don't answer questions. I don't answer questions. I don't answer questions. Again, you can do that if, if the police officer isn't telling you why they've stopped you. Again, this is where the sovereign citizenship and being a police officer who, again, is, is a state employee of the government, th this is where this gets real muddy and it, and it butts heads right up against this. I'm going to kind of cut to the cut to the end of this as quickly as I can. They ask him to get out of the car. He says, I don't have to, which he's right. He doesn't have to, but he wasn't doing a very good job of explaining to the police officers that he's a sovereign citizen. In fact, he never even once said it. If he is, in fact, a sovereign citizen. Uh, and, and by the way, you look this up on Wikipedia, it will tell you it's a conspiracy theory. So that right there should tell you that it's not a conspiracy or that it's not a theory of any kind, certainly not a conspiracy. It's a real thing. This does exist. But there are endless police officers that both know about this and don't know about it. Um, at that point, the police officer looks at him and says, look, man, you can do what I am, at, you know, basically what I'm asking you to do, or we're going to have to kick this up a notch. And it's completely up to you as to, as to what happens. Um, they open the door. The, the police officers come around. They have the car surrounded, front, both sides, back, etc. There's five cops on the scene, at least. Um, they open the guy's door. He's buckled in. And he has a gun holster on his right hip, Chase Allen does, along with a gun inside of the holster. A police officer then, another police officer, so one, the one who made the traffic stop opens the door. Another police officer enters in order to either unbuckle him or get him out. And it looks like he's trying to unbuckle him because he's, he's on top of, of, the, of Chase Allen. He's on top of him. And then he just immediately backs up out of the car, the police officer does, and he yells, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. I mean, he's, he yells it. And in an instant, they all start firing on him, on Chase Allen. They kill him. Uh, they shot at him at least 10 plus times. I mean, it, I mean, he got hosed in this car. They finally unbuckle him, they pull him out. His handgun is now on the ground of the automobile by the gas pedal and Chase Allen is down on the ground outside of his car. There's no doubt it was excessive force. Having a gun on you is not a crime. When police officers see a gun on a person, you're not supposed to just yell, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, and then everybody starts shooting. That's not, <laughs> I mean, I hate to laugh, but you know, that, that's not how it works. That's not how it's supposed to work. They, were, they went from having a conversation with this kid to saying he has a gun to pulling the trigger and killing him with multiple bullets.
they're shooting through the back windshield. They shoot through the sides. I think they shot through the front windshield also. Uh, and then they rip him out of the car, like I said, and they, and they throw him to the ground. The issue with this entire thing, again, to, to just go backwards, is it revolves around being a sovereign citizen and then explaining that to people when you are butting up against government and government enforcers, which is what police officers are. Again, I've met some very bright police officers who are wide awake and know what's going on, and they do it because they're in the business to, again, help and assist people. They know about sovereign citizenship. They know what questions to ask citizens about their sovereign citizenship. They know the identifying marks. They know all of that. Uh, that didn't seem to be the case in this in this particular situation. So it's unfortunate he's dead. Instead of taking the hard line that he took verbally with a police officer, which of course escalated everything by not rolling down his window, you know, by not telling the cop, "Look, I got a gun, but I'm not I'm not going to shoot anybody. So take it easy." You know, I'm legally carrying a gun, relax. I mean, there's a thousand things that, that this Chase Allen kid could have done. The problem is, is that also, and you know, it's just one of those things, is that when an individual becomes a sovereign citizen, they, they believe that they live in a world where government no longer exists or applies to them. And what they don't understand is, is that there's government officials that don't know, don't care and don't know how to address nor understand what sovereign citizenship is. And this right here was a perfect situation of that. Now, in the press conference, there's a lot of questions being asked in the situation. You know, uh, where, did you see the gun? Where was the gun? Was the police officer reaching for the gun, or were they just reaching to unbuckle himself? You know, did you think Chase Allen was reaching for his for his buckle in order to unbuckle himself, or was he in fact reaching for his gun? Um, you know, why did you fire so quickly? How are the police officers doing, et cetera, et cetera? Having having listened to Chase in in the body cam footage for a split second about his paperwork, along with providing his passport and the clear picture of the placard, excuse me, placard on the back of his uh, automobile where the license plate is, those three things alone tell me that he's a sovereign citizen or that he at the very least has the paperwork that proves he's a sovereign citizen. Uh, again, not a single media person brought it up, which means the media doesn't know what a sovereign citizen is. They have no idea. So. It's an unfortunate situation, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend that people do this. I'm gonna recommend that that you take some time out of your day to educate yourself a little bit, uh, at least from a novice standpoint, uh, if you don't know this already about what a sovereign citizen really is. My recommendation is you not use Wikipedia as your search, nor Google. You can even use YouTube. As a matter of fact, you can get on YouTube. And you can watch endless videos of sovereign citizens being pulled over by police officers and 
Yes, they're being harassed in many cases, and in sometimes, you know, some cases they're not. In some cases, the the police officer knows exactly what a sovereign citizen is. They understand that the laws don't apply to them. Certainly, the registration laws, the license plates, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, and and they go about the process in an, in a you know orderly fashion, and they let the person go every single time because they can't not let them go. Now, what always ends up happening in in the particular cases where a sovereign citizen is in fact detained for a certain length of time, they're always let go. And they're let go because they have the legal documents that prove they're a sovereign citizen. So I've watched a number of these videos over the years. I've seen these interactions. And what's interesting is, is the sovereign citizens with the paperwork, they always pull out this giant folder and they're like, here. And they hand it to the cop and the cop goes, I'm not going to read all that. You know, and, and then the cop gets hostile and, and whatever else. But they say, no, you don't understand. I'm a sovereign citizen. I don't have to have a driver's, li- I don't have to have a driver's license. I don't have to have a, uh, a license plate nor a registration. I don't have to have these identifying markers. This is my automobile. The VIN matches my name. Here's my passport. That's my picture. That's my name. And in this paperwork, it will show you that this car is mine and that I own it. And that's it. But cops don't know this. So again, my recommendation is that you read a little bit about it first and then get on YouTube and watch some of these videos because some of these sovereign citizens will quite literally get pulled over on purpose. They'll do things to get pulled over to show people what the police's reaction is going to be. They tell the viewer what the police's reaction is going to be. And then they say, now watch me educate this police officer. And oh, by the way, if I end up in handcuffs, I'll get out. There won't be a single fine. I'll get all my paperwork. I'll get my automobile and I'll be on my way. And that's usually what ends up happening, again, if they are in fact detained. It usually doesn't get to that point, though. Because even the sovereign citizen can ask the police officer for their supervisor. I want to speak to your supervisor. I want your sergeant to show up or your chief of police, and I'm going to explain to them what's going on. So the mistake, and it was a deadly one, that Chase Allen made was he thought that state government enforcers, i.e. cops, would understand what sovereign citizenship is at face value, let alone hear it, you know, hear the particular trigger words that would indicate that he's a sovereign citizen or all the visual indicators, like the placard on the back of his car. He assumed that that was the case. He also assumed that because he was a sovereign citizen that he had the upper hand. And you don't. And the reason you don't have the upper hand is because you're still butting up against state government who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. That was a long explanation. I know, and I'm sorry for the long explanation, but uh, it got someone killed because, again, their communication skills weren't great. You combine that with with terrible police officers who who don't know what's going on, that's not going to work out for anybody. So a sovereign citizen, and I assume he was one, I don't have proof, but there are plenty of indicators here that would indicate that that's the case. Uh, A sovereign citizen is dead. And, and really, it's because all of the chips were in, well, all the eggs were in his basket. The chips were on his side of the table. All he had to do was effectively communicate who he was 
what sovereign citizenship is and he would have walked he would have walked away or driven away um yeah there you go so my guess is is that in the future they're immediately going to know that he was a sovereign citizen or had the paperwork proving proving that was the case and there's going to have to be some level of training in the future for these police officers regarding sovereign citizenship what it looks like how to identify it the questions to ask the driver i under, you know saying things like i understand you don't you don't need to answer questions and i fully understand that i'm just trying to determine if you're a sovereign citizen or not if you are that's great that's fine i mean there's ways of de-escalating the situation instead of ramping up the adrenaline of a sovereign citizen because you know that's not going to work out for anybody. So there you go. This happens, but again, I, I recommend looking up what sovereign citizenship is, what it means, the rights that we all have, and unfortunately, the rights that have been stolen from us at birth as a result of having a birth certificate and registrations and licenses and all of this crap that uh, you know we have to pay for every single year. So there's that. Okay. And again, that stretches all across the United States. You know, I know it's not, well, I mean, it, it is an education issue and I, and I think it's an important one. So that's why, that's why I mentioned it. And again, the entire interaction, you can watch the entire video, the body cam footage. It's sad. It's really sad. Um, you're just watching an overreaction to something that didn't require any of that. Okay. On to education-related things, and there's a ton, along with uh, just a few subjects that I want to dive into a little bit deeper. First of all, it's this is jab-related. I would normally bring this up toward the end, but there are still endless children and staff members and college and university coaches who are uh, experiencing the ill health effects of the bioweapon. Bill Self, the head coach of Kansas's basketball team, heart attack. Uh, I saw a story of a 17-year-old cheerleader, heart attack. Let's see, a strength coach at a college or university, a younger white guy, 21, 22, 23 years old, heart attack. He's dead. Um... Gosh, I mean, the, the, the list, the list, frankly, is is endless, but just to make people aware <laughs> that's that's still going on and there are still endless people who have no idea that that's exactly why it's going on is because of the bioweapons um this too came from the gateway pundit again education related my apologies for the the jab uh, tail off there but house republicans advance a bill to ban biological males from competing in women's sports good for them I think it's disappointing that we even have to have that conversation or that that's even a thing. Uh, let's see, another, another example of the collapse of the K-12 system that Oregon considers mandatory lessons about climate change in public schools. Because why not? Let's keep lying to everybody and let's keep, uh, you know, perpetuating that giant climate change lie. There's weather manipulation by the government. That's a real thing. There's poisoning of the water, poisoning of the air. But um, people who just ring off the, the phrase climate change are absolutely brain dead. And I'm going to give you one quick example. I watched the, and I even put this out on Gab, I think, but I, I watched uh, our local city council meeting 
which I rarely ever do because these I hate these nitwits. I, I just cannot stand them. They're all brain dead. None of them know what's going on. They're all dead asleep, and they're all at least double or triple jabbed. So there's that. Um, in the meeting, however, right at the very beginning of the city council meeting, the mayor starts coughing, and he's got a hoarse voice, and he sounds terrible, and he looks terrible. It's almost like he has AIDS, because he does, because he's jabbed. This is the same mayor who was advocating for everybody in the town to take a booster shot. I'm not kidding. That's how crazy this person is. And he even brought in, in a past episode, which I, I mentioned a long time ago, back when it happened, but he, he, he brought in the, uh, the director of the local hospital in town. And he tried to put words in the director's mouth by saying, by trying to get him to say that everybody needs to take a booster shot. Uh, he, he refused to do it. He wouldn't do it. And that's great that he wouldn't do it. Unfortunately, he did openly admit, the director did, that he's jabbed and that countless other people are jabbed and his family is jabbed. And, you know, it's not my place to tell people what to do and whatever else. But the mayor, again, has been a guest on Don Lemon's show and Don Lemon had his own show on CNN. And you can go look this up. Just look up uh, Don Lemon and Bill Snavely on YouTube. And you're going to see what the mayor of the town where I live looks like. And he's a nitwit. I mean, the guy is, he, he, he has AIDS. He's going to be dead in no time. He has no clue, which I find to be comical, but whatever. Um, I, I would have more sympathy for him if he wasn't just downright evil. But again, he's a Bolshevik. He's engaged in their tactics specifically. Uh, just as a quick reminder, he, he and another guy who sit on the council would go around town during the mask wearing days and they would walk into bars and restaurants and they would take pictures of Miami students who were not wearing masks inside of these bars and restaurants. And then they would post these pictures on their Facebook pages and say, look at all these students who aren't wearing masks and abiding by the city ordinance. They should be disciplined and blah, blah, blah. That's a Bolshevik tactic. So that's the mayor. And at least one of the city council members. Again, all of the city council members are brain dead leftists, but those two guys take the taco. So, in this particular meeting, unfortunately, during the uh, public comments section, this rather homely lady, she walks up to the microphone, the lectern, and, and she's a leftist. You can just see it in her face because, you know, these people give themselves away. And let's not kid ourselves, conservatives are always more attractive. It's scientifically proven, actually. I'm not kidding. That's a real thing. Scientists actually prove that, that conservatives are more physically attractive than liberals. Uh, with that said, she gets up there and she decided to congratulate the city council members on their project regarding affordable housing on a particular piece of property somewhere in town, and that she's glad that they took climate change into consideration when it comes to the positioning of the houses in relation to the sun. This, this right here is the problem. These people are focusing on a thing that does not exist, number one, and number two, because it doesn't exist, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if it did exist. <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't even exist. It's, it's incredible. Uh, they're, all, they're all brain dead. 
the very next thing they bring up has to do with the names of the streets in town and how they're interested in changing the names of some of the streets in town because according to them, they're named after the sons and daughters of people who used to live here, and that bothers them. So there are street names, not uncommon anywhere else on planet Earth, but there are street names like Dana or Melissa, things of Aaron, for example, things of, things of that nature. Not, un, not unusual. Doesn't bother anybody, except for a Bolshevik who's interested in destroying history of any kind, and they don't like things that are old. They just love destroying it and then replacing it with, you guessed it, political figures' names. That's what they're interested in doing. So that's going on in the town where I live. Uh, God willing, I don't want to do it. He knows I don't want to do it. But I've, I've Walter Mittied giving a talk at city council, and I'm telling you, it would make my school board speech look like a drop in the bucket if I were to actually address these people. Because I'd hit them over the head with the fact that they have AIDS, that they're allowing for drug use, rampant drug use and homelessness in this town. All of their policies are allowing it. They've neutered the police department, and uh, they're allowing for 5G to be implemented, and they have no idea what's going on. And then it would end with a personal threat uh, toward at least one city council member who decided to vandalize the street in front of my parents' house three years ago. And that wouldn't end well. So, yeah, I might be on the nightly news after that one, and I certainly don't want that to be the case. But, you know, freedom of speech, who knows? Uh, but I, I, I don't want to address these people because they're insane. And it's not going to matter what I say to them. They're not going to change a thing. But fortunately, again, and I have to say it is fortunate in this particular case, that the jab is the thread that runs through the entire situation. These people are going to die because of what they've done to themselves, and they have no idea. Speaking of that, I do want to bring this up too. Um, before I get to a couple of other education stories, Miami University, of course, is, is where I live. And now, all of the sudden, they have rescinded their COVID-19 policies in order to attend the university. Now, why would that be the case? Why all of the sudden would they get rid of their COVID-19 policies? Hmm. It's almost like no one's attending the university anymore, and if you have a pair of eyes and a brain, you can see that. In fact, Helen Keller can see that nobody's here. So they have to get rid of this because the damage is already done. Whether they get rid of it or not, the damage is already done. They're raising tuition. This is just another notch in the old belt of the collapse of American K-12 and university education. But that's a thing, and that has happened, and there's no fixing it. Everybody's jabbed, they coerced everybody to get it, and now all of a the sudden they're lifting it, and they don't expect anybody to lose their minds or get angry about that? I bet the employees are flipping out right now. They have to be. But it proves exactly what I've said on this show time after time. 
Behind closed doors, the officials at these universities and colleges across the United States know exactly what's going on. Some of them are figuring out slower than others. Some of them are figuring it out faster than others. But they know that no one is here anymore. And they know that that's going to back up on them no matter what. So they actually think this is a good thing, and I'm here to tell you, it isn't. They can rescind it all they'd like. It never should have been in place in the first place. But this is just an open admission that you have no idea what you're doing. Not to mention the banking collapse that's taking place right now. I'm sure everybody's paying attention to that. Ladies and gentlemen, universities are hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. As an individual university, and Miami University is no different. And they're raising tuition because they don't have enough people showing up, which means, again, those people need loans, don't they? They need student loans. What bank that's hijacking and stealing people's money is going to give out a loan, in particular at the interest rate that exists right now? It's through the roof. I can't imagine anybody going to a college or university in this day and age. Unless, again, it's a fixed rate that, that was low to begin with and, and doesn't change, but I, I don't know how that works necessarily. I just know it's not going to work out for them. Uh, here's the other thing, too, is that Miami University, and Miami's not the only university to do this, this is happening all across the nation, but they have extended their. I would say lack of requirement is how I'd phrase it. Basically, you don't have to take the SAT or the ACT in order to apply or even get accepted to Miami University, and they've extended that through 2016. I'm sorry, 2026. That's it. 2026. Now, what do they blame for that? Why is it that, you, that, that they think that they're doing that? at least the line that all their PR departments tell everybody. Because of the pandemic, they think that by removing the SAT or ACT as a requirement to attend, that it's all due to the pandemic. Lost learning among high school students, and they're not used to those tests anymore, and, well, we're just going to postpone it until 2026 or through 2026. It's absurd. First of all, the ACT and the SAT are useless. I think anybody who's ever taken those tests fully understands that. It does not, it, it's not a measurement of what a person knows. It's not a measurement of determination. It's not a measurement of even whether or not a person is going to finish college or university. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's useless. It's completely useless. It's all a giant money scheme in order to just rake in more money under the guise of it being some achievement test or some measurement of, of skill or knowledge. Clearly, that's not the case. And their removal of it, and, and extending their removal of it, and lack of, of needing it or wanting it, should prove that to everybody right then and there. That they're basically telling everybody, the SAT and ACT don't matter. And we don't care if you take it or not because we're bleeding students because no one's coming here. So look, we don't have the ACT and SAT requirement anymore. Please come to our school. Just like the Texas school I brought up in the last episode, or Texas schools, plural, that are 
going to a four-day work week. It's the same scheme. They're financially collapsing, and so they have to weaken themselves, so they think, or reduce something that they would normally do in order to bring people in because they think that it is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big attractor to, to individuals to come there in the first place. They're wrong. They're wrong. They can take away the jab requirements all they want. Doesn't matter. Damage done. They can take away the SAT and SA, uh, ACT and SATs all they want. Doesn't matter. Damage done. They're not learning anything at these universities anyway. They're jabbed, ladies and gentlemen. They're already jabbed. I, I, I don't know what else to add. It's just more proof of the collapse, and they're trying to pick up mercury with a fork, and there's nothing they can do. Again, I just find it, I find it so fascinating that we're alive during this time. We're watching all of this happen, and we cannot go back. We can't. I mean, we cannot return to any kind of a previous mold or model of what our entire government, country, or system used to be because it's enslaved all of us. Take, again, for example, the banking collapse that's going on right now. You've heard Dr. Robin McCutcheon bring it up on this show every time she's been on. She says it's coming, it's inevitable, it's going to happen, and it is. The best part is, is that we're sitting back, we're watching this, and we're laughing our asses off. Those of us that know what's going on, because we saw this coming a mile away. We knew that this was part of the quote-unquote plan. You can't possibly rebuild this country while keeping the fake enslavement financial system in place. But then, of course, you have to ask yourself, well, who's enslaved by that financial system? It's every K-12 school district, it's every university and college, and it's every person who attends and pays to attend, in particular the ones that pull out loans in order to attend. All of this is connected. It's all the same chain. It's just different links, but they're all connected, and it's collapsing. Again, we're sitting back watching this, and other people are panicking like nobody's business. I think the panic is great. And these are all the moves that these universities are making because they can see what's going on. They may not admit it, and like I said earlier, not everybody sees it as quickly as others. But it's inevitable that it's taking place and it's going to continue to take place. But that's not going to make these places survive in the future. They won't survive. Again, you've heard me in past episodes as to where I think K-12 schools and universities are going to end up and what they're going to look like. They're not going to look anything like what they look like now. They just won't. They'll have to go to an online, an online platform. They'll have to. Yes, they'll still have the brick-and-mortar schools, but eventually they'll start selling off those buildings to other people. They'll sell them off to hospitals, mental, you know, mental institutions, whatever they may end up being. And they may end up just keeping a few buildings instead of the dozens of buildings that these you know, major universities and colleges have. They hire too many people and they pay them way too much money. This is a toilet that's just going to keep backing up. And there isn't any plunger in the world that's going to fix it. Nor should it get fixed. 
Which again, which yeah, it, it, I'm a little skeptical when I hear Donald Trump talk about you know we need to re we need to reorganize or or we need to fix American K twelve education. He doesn't speak about it a lot, and I think he knows why he doesn't speak about it a lot because he wants to see it destroyed also as it should be. I mean, the textbooks alone are an abomination, and, and what people learn about history is an abomination by itself. But we can't, we can't move forward as a country and keep the education system in place. We can't do it. It has to be destroyed completely. Uh, and here's just another reason why it should be destroyed. Sicily and New Mexico threw this my way. This is from The Federalist. It is titled, Virginia Teachers Union Pushes Senate Democrats to End Anti-Asian, quote-unquote, Victims of Communism Day. So the entire teachers union in Virginia doesn't want an anti-communism day, which means what? It means that the Virginia teachers union has just told everybody that they're communists, which is exactly what Sisley told me. I think she said something like, tell me you're retarded without telling me you're retarded. 100%. Tell me you're a communist without saying you're a communist. Here's the other reason they're getting away from this too. They're afraid that if there's an anti-Asian Victims of Communism Day or just a Victims of Communism Day, that people are actually going to learn about communism and they're going to come to the realization if they do enough reading and investigating and asking questions and critical thinking and listening and watching and things of that nature. If they do those things, you know, use their brain, they're going to come to the realization that Adolf Hitler was not the problem. They're going to come to the realization that Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong were the problem and are the problem. That's the realization they're going to come to. And then they're going to start seeing, well, wait a minute. We do a lot of things like that here in the United States. There's a lot of communism here. And well, who's this Joseph McCarthy guy? And then before you know it, they're off and running. And they don't even need the school teacher, let alone the school. They don't want that. They want every single student and teacher in their system enslaved from the mind right down through the soul. That's what they want. It says the Democrats will blindly follow the teachers' unions into their ideological destruction of historical education. Let me take out a few words there. The Democrats will blindly follow the teachers' unions into their destruction. Period. You can take out ideological, historical, or even education. This line of work will cease to exist because this is the direction it's been heading in for a very long time because it's designed to be destroyed. That's, that's, that's what communism and Bolshevism are. That's the point. That's what Marxism does. It says the Virginia Education Association whipped the Commonwealth's Senate Democrats into opposing a Victims of Communism commemoration bill due to its anti-Asian sentiments, demonstrating the Union's historical ignorance, woke ideology, and educational incompetence. Says in recent weeks, Democrats in the Virginia Senate and the Commonwealth's Teachers Union have shown they see history as a tool to promote racial ideology, not as a means to understand the past. 
a few days after defeating an Indian American nominee based on the ludicrous claim that she associates with white supremacists, that old yarn, Democrats in a Senate committee managed to offend Asian Americans and victims of communism. The incident proves additional proof of the problems plaguing the Commonwealth's school system. Why anybody would send their child to a Virginia school is beyond me. Because remember, you can shoot your teachers in the stomach as long as you're six years old and you'll get away with it. Lest we forget that, of course. Uh, It also says this, the teachers' union said it opposed the bill because commemorating the victims of communism could arouse anti-Asian sediments. No, that's not it. That isn't it. Has nothing to do with being Asian today. That's not it. Didn't even have anything to, to do with being Asian back then. There were Asians all over the place. That's that doesn't mean they're all communists. It has to do with the fact that they're afraid that children are going to learn about communism. And then they're going to make the comparison between what they're learning or investigating on their own and the environment that they live in. It says, in other words, quote, the union's leadership believes its members, Virginia public school teachers, cannot teach K-12 students how to differentiate between the atrocities committed by corrupt communist regimes, whether the current Chinese Communist Party, the old Soviet Union, or the Castro regime in Cuba, and the innocent people living under those regimes. They, uh, yeah, they just think that what? Students are going to run up behind Asian students and hit them in the head with chopsticks? That that's going to be the thing that just all of a sudden starts happening? What we're seeing more chopstick attacks, and it's it's bigoted and terrible. And it's because we have an anti-communism day where we teach about communism, but uh, only the Asian students are being attacked. I mean, what happens during your, your precious Black History Month? Does, does white-on-black crime dramatically increase in American K-12 schools? Does it increase on university campuses? Probably not. In fact, I'm almost certain it doesn't, because nobody cares. <laughs> they, they just don't care. With that said, of course, and speaking of communism, allow me to then mention this story. And I threw this to A.J. Gochik to get his two cents on the issue. And this, again, pretty standard. You know, it's, it's par for the course, right down the middle of the fairway kind of thing. This is from the Washington Free Beacon, and it is titled, Dog Shit. A federal judge decries disruption of his remarks by Stanford Law students and calls for termination of the Stanford dean who joined the mob. It says Fifth Circuit Judge Kyle Duncan is calling on Stanford to axe the DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Dean Trien, if I'm saying that right, don't care, uh, Steinbeck, or Steinbach. I have video of this interaction, by the way, which is your, your typical university lecture that gets disrupted by leftists. I mean, we've all seen those videos. But this Trump-appointed judge shows up, and why he would do this is beyond me. I mean, you couldn't pay me to give a lecture at a college campus these days. 
uh, I would do it and, of course, tell everybody that they have AIDS, which is why I wouldn't be invited in the first place. But uh, that's assuming they're jabbed, of course. But either way, I, I, don't, I don't understand why this Trump-appointed federal judge in the Fifth Circuit would, would go and, uh, and give a lecture here. What was he expecting? I mean, he was apparently expecting civility. And, a, and an opportunity to talk to students about the law, how wrong he was, um, he, he headed straight into the loony bin. I mean, I'm shocked he didn't have feces thrown at him from pantsless students running around like crazy people. It's Stanford. This is what goes on there. And then, of course, the administration and other professors uh, immediately so start siding with the, you know, with the students who are whack jobs wearing masks and holding signs and calling him a racist and, and whatever else. And then, uh, yeah, and then he, I, I don't know, he ended up leaving apparently. But let me get into this. And by the way, like I said, I have video of that. It's about nine minutes long if you can stand it. It's on my Gab page. And uh, it's, it, again, the sounds that come out of the room. And, and that are occurring inside of the room from these communist students and these Marxist students is quite literally what I imagine hell sounding like. It really is just like that. I mean, hell has a soundtrack, and it must sound just like that. Just screaming and yelling and name-calling on a constant basis to the point where they never stop because they're not making any sense. Uh, so here's what it says. It says, Fifth Circuit Appellate Judge Stuart Kyle Duncan, who was shouted down by Stanford Law, Law School students, as administrators looked on in silence, said the protesters behaved like dog shit. That's an understatement, actually. Now in an interview with the Washington Free Beacon, Duncan is calling on the school to discipline the students who disrupted his talk and to fire the school's associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion who stepped in during the event to chastise him and deliver what the judge described as a bizarre therapy session from hell. <laughs> He's right. That's exactly what it was. Again, if the judge is expecting anybody to discipline anybody at that university, he's dreaming. That's not going to happen. Um... Again, the loony bin is not going to discipline the loony people who work or congregate within inside the loony bin. That's not, you know, th that isn't how it operates. Uh, yeah. It continues, it says, Duncan's remarks come after a, uh, I'm sorry, nearly a hundred students at Stanford Law School disrupted his remarks in brazen violation of Stanford University's free speech policies. Well, they would, they would start to argue and advocate for free speech. They'd say, well, that goes both ways. I get to say what I want. It's, it's lose-lose in that situation. You've got you to gotta pick, you pick your locations and, and know your location before you show up. It continues, and it says, One source of the student's ire was Duncan's refusal in a 2020 opinion to use a transgender sex offender's preferred pronouns. That's right. He didn't want to use that, and so he's the crazy person. It says the Stanford event, which was sponsored by the law school's chapter of the Federalist Society, got so out of hand that federal marshals eventually escorted Duncan from the building. Steinbeck, the school's diversity dean, a overweight, 
overweight black feminist Marxist. You get it. Uh, you know, the picture draws itself for the most part. Uh, arrived on the scene when Duncan himself asked for an administrator to restore order. She then took to the podium, it's a lectern, but whatever, and in a video that is now circulated widely online, accused the judge of causing harm. Quote, your opinions from the bench land an absolute disenfranchisement of the student's rights, Steinbeck said, accusing him of tearing the fabric of the community. There's that word again. Commune. She continued and says, do you have something so incredibly important to say, she asked him, that it is worth the division of these people, unquote. Duncan warned that what happens at Stanford, along the second-ranked law school in the country behind Yale, is unlikely to stay there. Quote, if enough of these kids get into the legal profession, he said, the rule of law will descend into barbarism. Uh, I've got a little news flash for Judge Duncan. We're already there, kitten. We're already there. <laughs> it's already happening. This has been happening for a very long time. And yes, they're getting legal licenses because whack jobs are giving them legal licenses. This is the plan. It's been going on for a very long time. Marxism. It says, neither Steinbeck nor Jenny Martinez, the dean of the Stanford Law School, responded to a request for comment. I bet not. What happened to the free speech? What happened to open debate? See, you call these Marxists out, and you give them an opportunity to speak, and they never do. They hate it. See, if I was to show up, and I meant to say this earlier, but it's relevant, so I'll bring it up now. And then I'll continue with the story, I promise. Uh, if I was to show up to the local city council, what I would do is, is I would hit them over the head with all the AIDS information. I would give them the links to go to figure out that they, in fact, have AIDS. And then what I would do is, is I would say, if you don't believe me, let's have a debate. There's lots of lecture halls in this town. There's lots of performing arts centers. Why don't we just go there? You guys can organize it. You can even team up with Miami University and you can invite any doctors you want, any medical doctors, you name it. Bring them all. Bring all your friends, and I'll sit on a stage with any of them, and I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe on this issue, and I'll prove that you have AIDS, and that the recipients of these shots are ill and dying as a result of the shots. What do you think they would do with that information? What do you think they would do with me calling them out like that and providing them that gold nugget for free? They would never accept it. I would offer it. I mean that. I mean, I would actually do that, but there's no way that they would do it. They, there's no way they would take me up on that free offer. They could charge all kinds of money to have anybody from the town come in and hear this, and listen to this. I would crush them. I'd crush them. At this point, anybody could crush them. There's too much evidence. I wouldn't even have to bring the evidence with me in hand. I could just ring it off the top of my head. But if I had a note card with a few things written on it and places for them to go, you know, the idiots in the crowd who are searching on their phones to try to discredit me 
as I'm talking, great. I would, I would give them the exact links on where to go and what to read. And then you'd start to see people get up and walk out because the cognitive dissonance would kick in. And then everybody would get scared. And then I'd say, well, sounds like you all have a lot of learning to do. I'm going to live a little bit longer than the rest of you, I hope anyway. So, you know, good luck. And then that would be the end of it. But they would never do that. Again, these environments are so poisonous. There is no common sense. It's gone. It's completely gone. You can't show up as a federal judge at, a, at, a, at Stanford Law School and expect to have a civil conversation with anybody about anything. It isn't going to happen. I wouldn't expect it if I were to do it about the jabs or any other education-related issue. There, I mean, I wouldn't expect it, but I would go in not being surprised that people would lose their minds. It continues here. Uh, it says, the protest is perhaps the most extreme example yet of law students shouting down conservative speakers. A similar incident occurred at Yale Law School, another, you know, another trash heap. Uh, last year, when Christian, Kristen Wagoner, if I'm saying that right, a prominent Supreme Court litigator, was drowned out by hundreds of students protesting her views on transgender issues. Also last year, students at the University of California, Hastings, disrupted a talk with the libertarian law professor, uh, I think it's Ilya Shapiro, if I'm saying that right, shrieking and jeering each time he opened his mouth. The tactics used against Duncan were nearly identical. Yes, because it's Bolshevism. Of course they're identical. These people do not think for themselves. It says nearly everyone in the room showed up to disrupt the proceedings, according to Duncan and two members of the Federalist Society, and many of the hundred or so students on hand were holding profane signs, including one that declared, Duncan can't find the clit, quote unquote. Well, that's nice. Says each time Duncan began to speak, the protesters would heckle him with insults, shouting things like "scumbag" and "you're a liar." In the video, you'll hear just these random psychos. Uh, they just go racist, and they just yell the word "racist," and then you know that's it. The article continues, and it's rather lengthy. I'm going to stop it there just for the sake of brevity. But uh, again, if you want to watch the nine minutes of, of the soundtrack of hell. Get on my Gab account and uh, my Gab page, American Education FM, at American Education FM, and, and you can go over there and listen to it. It's also on Tom Fitton's uh, Twitter page also. It's, it's jacked up. Uh, here's what AJ said about it, and he's right. Um, let's see. He said, thanks for sending that. He said, this is the state of law schools today. Such an outrage. I was president of my law school's Federalist Society in the late 90s, and they would be there would be a physical brawl if this happened on my watch. The good news is a lot of the hecklers will be dead in a few years. <laughs> yeah, he's right. They're jabbed. That's the thread, ladies and gentlemen. That's the thread that runs through the whole thing and will never go away, the constant jabs. Uh, I want to bring this up to education-related, and this will actually slide right into the jab talk, believe it or not, uh, certainly on the discussion of water right now, but this is from ussanews.com. 
and it's titled Fluoride Lawsuit Against EPA Prompts Pending Release of Potentially Damaging Report. Fluoride's Poison. Shocking. Of course, we all know this, but hopefully this will lead to fluoride no longer being in the water. That would be, that would be a heavenly day, would it not? It says, public education may not be the sole reason young, younger Americans seem less smart, based on a recent report about fluoride. It says, quote, the human body of evidence provides a consistent pattern of findings that high fluoride exposure is associated with decreased intelligence quotient, IQ, in children, concluded a 2019 report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Such findings by government scientists may explain why the Environmental Protection Agency has dragged out a lawsuit from the Fluoride Action Network. The group wants the U.S. to end the practice of adding fluoride to public drinking water, arguing the health risks of doing so are not worth fewer tooth cavities. Excellent. It says the, uh, this is also from the Epic Times, by the way, but it, it says the case has revealed government attempts to limit available evidence and avoid having the facts of water fluoridation reviewed in court. A spokesperson with FAN told the Epic Times in an email, quote, this represents a major reversal in the federal agency's position and will ensure that the public has access to these critical documents that would have otherwise remained buried forever. Scrolling down here just a little bit for the sake of brevity, it says, uh, most recently in a February 3rd meeting, the National Institute for Environmental Health Sciences agreed to post and make public NTP's fluoride toxicity report on NTP's website on or before March 15th of this year. It says the posted document will include the most recent subpoenaed fluoride toxicity report, Comments provided by the Board of Scientific Counselors, the NTP's subsequent responses, and a related meta-analysis. It's possible that these documents could play a major role in the second trial phase of the ongoing legal battle. Uh, Let's see. It does say this in conclusion. I'll wrap it up here. It says the NTP's 2019 Systematic Review of Fluoride Exposure and Neurodevelopment and Cognitive Health Effects concluded that, quote, fluoride is presumed to be a cognitive neurodevelopment hazard to humans. They state that this conclusion is based on the consistent pattern of findings in human studies across several different populations, showing that higher fluoride exposure is associated with decreased IQ or other cognitive impairments in children, I would argue in adults as well. And unfortunately, if you were to bring that up to a, oh, I don't know, a school board or a city council, they would call you a moron or tell you that uh, they have no concerns over the quality of the water. They have no proof because, again, burying their head in the sand is priority number one. And speaking of that as well, I wanted to mention this too. Uh, As you might imagine, well, this will lead straight into the jab talk, but just very briefly, in the county where I live, which is the county just north of uh, Hamilton County, which is where Cincinnati is, the the county commissioners and the people in charge of the county and and doing all of the demonic things that they do without even knowing it, because they're not thinking people, they have decided to 
apparently spend a great deal of the COVID cash that they have received, and we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. If that, I mean, if not way more than that, hundreds of millions potentially. But I was reading an article of the guy, and he was describing how he is looking forward to the internet existing and being available on every street in Butler County, Ohio. Again, you can't make this up, that they are interested in expanding broadband accessibility because they want everybody to have the ability to have internet, in particular around apartment buildings and other largely inhabited complexes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's 5G. And it's not there to improve internet accessibility. That's not what it's there for. It is a kill program. It is a slow kill weapon, as Mark Steele has clearly laid out. I'm going to have to find this guy's name again and email him, not that it's going to do anything. But I will explain to him what I explained to city council in my emails to them, because I just want to get it on the record. I just want to have the email sent so that these idiots know what they're doing, or at least that they received a warning that this is going to harm people, and I know exactly what response I'll get back if I even get one. Well, that's not concerning to us, and we've looked into it, and there don't seem to be any problems, and blah, blah, blah. I'll, of course, link every single article I can find on the issue, along with lawsuits and XYZ, but I'm telling you, these useful idiots are in fifth gear, full retard, pedal to the floor. There's, there's no... There's no convincing the brainwashed that they're hurting themselves and countless other people. They just have no idea. It's exhausting. Uh, okay, jab-related things. Let's see. First of all, I want to channel my inner Norm MacDonald real quick. This is from thebusinessinsider.com. You can't make this up. Quote, the title is, A new migraine medication is coming this summer, and it promises relief in just 15 minutes. It continues briefly, and it says, The Food and Drug Administration on Friday approved Zavzerpret, Z-A-V-Z-P-R-E-T, a new nasal spray designed to treat migraines in just 15 minutes. Here's the kicker. The drug, which Pfizer acquired when it bought out Biohaven Pharmaceuticals last year for $11.6 billion, will provide an alternative to oral migraine medication. Note to self, don't take this medicine ever. Just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention so that they understand that Pfizer has its arms all around that, and under no circumstance should anyone take it ever. If you suffer from migraines, find another remedy. Heaven forbid you buy an old home remedy book and, you know, from way back in the day, look through it and search through migraines. You can also do this, and I've mentioned this website in the past, but I'm going to link it in the description below because it's an awesome website, uh, earthclinic.com. All alphabetical order, 
You can type in whatever you want in the search bar. You can search it alphabetically if you want to. It's all right there. And sure enough, you'll find natural remedies for migraines, essential oils, things you can put in your water, uh, all kinds of stuff. So read through that if you actually suffer through uh, or suffer with migraines or from migraines rather. But yeah, note to self, don't take anything with Pfizer's name on it, because you'll probably die. You know, it's just uh, kind of kind of standard procedure these days. Um, let, me, let me move to this. You're, you're probably aware of the late, great Rush Limbaugh. Did you know that Mark Stein, the man who consistently would fill in for Rush when he was absent, took the jabs? That Mark Stein actually took two jabs and since then has had two heart attacks. I listened to uh, a talk between him and James Dellingpole, and uh, it was—I mean, I was shocked to hear that. I thought to myself, "You've got to be kidding me! Why would why would Mark do that?" Um. Again, and and as you would expect, unfortunately, the reason he brought it up was for one of those. Typical reasons that unfortunately was on the script of things that people were told as to why they need to get the shots. He was told that he needs to get them in order to keep someone else safe. And this other person apparently was a family member of his who had comorbidities, quote unquote, or a compromised immune system. And now, uh, yeah, Mark is not in great shape. He, of course, is alive and he's talking and no longer works for GBN, which is where he used to work because he became more and more vocal about the shots and what they're doing to people. And he just refused to, to play the game anymore. Um, yeah, heartbreaking to hear that, but uh, he's, you know, he, he knows what's going on. He, he absolutely knows. And, and yes, he regrets it as do uh, other people who he knows who have taken it and other family members of, of himself who have taken it, and, and they are not in good shape. Some of them permanently damaged, of course, but uh, you know they'll never be the same again. So I'm glad Mark has left. Hopefully the, the leash is off of him to some extent, but uh, yeah, that was disappointing to hear. Um, moving on. This has to do, again, with, with Kim Carter, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode briefly, but Christ Hospital, which is where she works in Cincinnati, had a breakout of Legionnaire's disease, or Legionella, as it's sometimes referred to, and she texted me, and I, I sent her the story, and I was like, so what's up with this? Because it was all over the news, and... Uh, Another friend of mine sent it my way, and I saw it, and I was like, well, I'm going to move this to Kim and, and see, what, see what she says. And she said, yep, it's true. She said, uh, we were all given bottled water and told to avoid the water. What's interesting about Legionnaire's disease is that it was one of the first stories, if you go way back in 2021, that came out in regards to these shots that it produces pneumonia-like symptoms and respiratory illness and so on and so forth, again, specifically dealing with the lungs. So is it a direct side effect of the jabs? Of course. Um, it's also allegedly water-related, 
specifically having to do with, again, contaminated shower heads and, and faucets and things of that nature. And as you would expect, it begs the question regarding East Palestine and the contamination of the Ohio River and that uh, Christ Hospital must receive their water from the Ohio River, or they at least said that they turned it all off a while ago, and maybe they've turned it back on. In either case, the EPA director was in East Palestine and on video openly said that the water is contaminated and you should not drink it. So that's a thing. But she texted me later on in the day and she said this. She said, yesterday at 6 p.m., we were told not to use the water and to change out all of our tube feed tubing and to leave the flush bags empty not to wash our hands in the water or drink it. About five minutes, or I'm sorry, 15 minutes, after we were notified, a huge stack of bottled water, gallon jugs of water, and some really nice peel-and-stick labels regarding not using the water to put on all of the patient room paper towel dispensers. When I asked the charge nurse what is happening, she said the CEO of Christ told her, it was three confirmed cases of hospital-acquired legionnaires. I'm sorry, legionellas. Same thing. Uh, they said they have known. They've known long enough to be able to have all the water available and to have those pre-printed papers. She said, then, why the F did they not notify before now? Unquote. Yeah. And then she sent me a video that was on TikTok of a sink, not necessarily from the hospital, but a sink where a person puts a lighter up to the running water out of this sink and it catches on fire. So that's fun. Again, yes, it's water related, no doubt, and contaminated water pipes, without a doubt. Um, it's jab related too. And as you've heard her say, as I've brought up on this show, there's endless jabbed employees in the entire building, along with, of course, the patients that are coming in who are jabbed. There's no escaping it. It's if it's not one thing, it's something else, and if it's you know if it's not just that one thing, it's both things or it's three things. The list just continues to grow, which again is why Anthony Fauci needs to hang along with countless other people who are responsible for this and local officials. Um, let's see. Rounding this out, there were a couple of other... Well, there was a... On, on BeckerNews.com, he was describing how... Kyle Becker was describing how the GOP is clearly putting together the case to prosecute Fauci. I don't know who's going to do that. Clearly, it's not going to be the DOJ, not to mention... If Biden is not controlled, which I tend to think he might be, but I know there's lots of theories out there, um, what would keep Biden from, from writing a, uh, a pardon for Anthony Fauci? Not to mention, of course, he's not the real legal president of the United States, so he can't really write a pardon for somebody, let alone himself. So there's that avenue to take into consideration also, I think. Um, there was also this, which was an interesting talk and a bit of uh, reversal in, in, in word usage, I think. But Dr. Judy Mikovits was on Stu Peters last week, and she openly stated that all vaccines are bioweapons. This is what she said. 
Keep in mind, she's a virologist. She thinks viruses are real. It depends on your definition of the word virus and what you think it means and or does. However, she's, she's apparently coming around to the fact that these are, these are man-made. They are not natural occurring things that exist in nature. They are made by human beings. So it's nice that she's at least coming around a little bit, so it seems, or at least trying to cover her backside slightly because, uh, you know, she's gone toe-to-toe with the likes of Dr. Kaufman, who clearly knows that viruses aren't real and that that word has become ubiquitous on purpose. There are just biological weapons and poisons that people make in labs and then inject into people. It's that simple. It's an old broken record you've heard me mention time and time again. I'm going to keep bringing it up because I know new people listen to the show, and that's a thing. That's the way that it is. So there you go. Nice to see that, again, she's coming around on the issue. She's certainly on our side, and I've defended her even while criticizing her at the same time because she has said when asked the question, is there such a thing as a healthy vaccine? or effective vaccine in preventing anything, or keeping somebody from being sick? And the answer she has provided time and time again is no. And I've heard her say that years and years ago, that the answer is no. There is no such thing as a healthy vaccine. Of course not, because there's no such thing as a healthy biological weapon either. Um, I'll end with this. Again, there's going to be a ton of stuff this week. I guarantee it. I can feel it in my bones. Uh, a couple of uh, peer-reviewed articles here. A case report, a case of multi-system inflammatory syndrome in an 11-year-old female after COVID-19 inactivated vaccine. It says inactivated the conclusion, inactivated COVID-19 vaccination might trigger IMSC. Again, which stands for Multisystem Inflammatory Syndrome. It says further research is needed to evaluate whether a correlation exists between COVID-19 vaccination and MISC development. Well, I think we know. I think we know. I think the cat is out of the bag on that one. Again, what I'm going to continue to do is generate uh, a giant list of these quote-unquote peer-reviewed articles that are highlighting the uh, negative effects of the jabs. And I'm going to continue to put those on my website. I want the list to get a little bit bigger before I put it on there. And again, I apologize for having not created that list in the past. You'd think that'd be something that I would have done. I'm kicking myself for it because I should have been doing it this whole time. But once that uh, once that list gets bigger, I promise I will put it on the website. I'll, it'll be its own tab, its own separate tab. That way, if uh, you know you get in an argument with somebody and they say whatever, prove it. You can be like, okay, and then you just go to this website and they'll see the giant list of articles. And there you go. In the meantime, if you find yourself in an argument with somebody or they say, well, prove it. My recommendation is you get on the expose's website and in the search box, you type in any keyword you want. Type in AIDS. Type in VADS, V-A-I-D-S. Type in sterility. Type in uh, infertility. 
You can type in any of those and the expose articles will pop up and then within the expose articles themselves, that's where you're going to find the peer-reviewed published stuff that's you know been making the rounds since uh, 2021, to say the least. So that's sort of a secondary search as of right now. It's my primary search at this point. Um, Certainly one of them, but eventually I'd like people to uh, feel like they have the option to go to my website and they'll see it all there as well. So there you go. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of this particular episode. There's going to be a ton of stuff this week, I think. The continued banking collapse, of course. The panicked moves in the education field. And I'm also generating a giant list regarding education that proves the complete collapse of that from both a local K-12 level to a university level to a government level to an economic level to a global level, you name it. And the dots are so close that it's impossible to uh, not connect them. So there you go. With that said, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.